1: What's up everyone welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show episode 356 what an ass whooping what an absolute demolition I at a certain point last night on Wednesday as the Yankees were hitting just home run after home run after home run I kind of felt bad I kind of felt like it was varsity destroying junior varsity It was like you're playing a video game, you're playing against your little brother, and you didn't tell your little brother. You turned on all the cheat codes for yourself, so everything is just easy. That's what it's like when the Yankees are playing the Orioles, because the Orioles are not a major league team. And I am convinced at this point, the Rail Riders pick any average minor league AAA team, and they're going to compete with the Orioles. So you agree with me now? They should never lose a game to the Baltimore Orioles. They should go. Oh, I agreed with they you. They should go nineteen, 19 and zero. But but of course they they will go seventeen and two. That's the only acceptable outcome at this point, right? Like that, that's well, it. Well, the, we need when the yeah, next They four should games. be sweeping. The, they should be sweeping that doubleheader next week. Easy, no problem. Sweep that four game series. I never disagreed with you that they should go nineteen and zero. I just didn't want you to stick your foot in your mouth yet again, like you did with the Rays last year where you predicted 19-0 and then the Yankees ended up having a difficult time. Yeah, no, uh, this one was this one was um, much more of We a, didn't realize the Rays were a playoff caliber team the last couple of years. The Orioles are trash. What the Rays did last year made no sense <laughs> to, to anybody watching until you saw the players. You're like, oh, I don't know who that guy is, but he's pretty good and they're playing collectively and it's good. No, no, no. This Orioles team I was trying is trying to protect Chris, you. Scott. Chris Davis is going after the manager, or whomever they're fighting. It's it's uh, it's it's like some good stuff going on over there too. What do you think he said? What do you think? Uh, he said? I said, uh, it's like, first of all, I definitely think it was about the play. So Chris Davis made that that it was actually a nice play. It was a um a glove. It was a slow roller to first base, and he did like a little scoop and uh, and shovel pass with his glove to the pitcher. It worked out really well. But there was a runner on second base, runners in scoring position. It was pretty reckless, I'd say. At that point, probably didn't need to do it that way. Little showboat-y. Uh it worked. So you know, it's one of those things where like, do I say something? Do I not say something? We're getting our asses kicked. Do I say something? It's Chris right, Davis. Really He's got matter. a huge contract. I really want to say something. Uh, I think you hit it on the so, head, right? He, there. So he goes, um, he goes, uh, Davis. Uh, little, little, little too much. A huh? little, little reckless, right there. We don't need to be doing that with a runner in scoring position. And you know, and it took you three months to get a hit. <laughs> I, I, I thought he might say like, "Hey, man, nice little uh, web gem there." Finally, earning that contract. Yeah. It took you how? Took you ninety-seven games to get it, one hit. Because I, I'm, I'd imagine Chris Davis. I'm trying to put myself in Chris Davis's shoes, and, and I can imagine he's a little self-conscious about the fact that he's making so much money and he sucks. And the rest of those players in there are all probably making close to the league minimum, and they're looking at this guy like, "Dude." I know I suck, and I'm even better than you. And you're making twenty million dollars a year. Yeah, I mean it's probably a little bit uncomfortable, but you know I'll take that spot. I'll take that uncomfortable spot making. And then if that's a place, if you're millions. Chris Davis, you got to be just you just got to be making it rain for these guys. You got to be bringing oh, in yeah. sneakers for the clubhouse. You got to be taking them out to steak dinners. You're picking you up got every be, tab. Yeah, you're practically treating it like you are on the AAA team, and yes. and you're you're uh, you're just taking care of the the young kids. That's that's the only way to approach that. He's but he's probably $1,000, not. $1,000 a but he's year. probably not, and that's why they that's why they had a, such a problem. Where like you don't even pick up a tab. You don't even pick up a tab. <laughs> you're you're going splitsies with me at the t- at the at the steakhouse, dude. What the hell? Yeah. So, um, yeah, he should be spending a million dollars a year in just like tabs and 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 clothing for for the rest of the clubhouse. Yeah, but. it's shame. It should be shame money. <laughs> the Yankees. Uh, I I honestly these three games were a joke even even Monday's game where the Orioles made it interesting you knew they weren't going to win and i it's fun to a certain extent but at the same time it's not that's not competitive baseball that's i'm trying to like think of, think of it from an entertaining product that's entertaining if you're a diehard Yankees fan cuz you're just watching home run after home run but like that's not that's not a real baseball game that, that's fake that was an exhibition see was, i think the casual happened. fan will actually like that those games better because of that reason think so? yeah, because they see the ball flying out of the ballpark so the casual fan sees that they're like oh this is so much fun this is great this is how every game is i mean i rather watch a competitive four to two game well that's because you like baseball <laughs> you, you you know you like you like the actual the game itself but uh yeah you know it's like every time i took a lead i was like i didn't take it seriously like oh, okay we're, yeah. just gonna, oh, we're just gonna that's we're just gonna hit fun. a home run probably next inning i mean there was a point last night i don't know if they finished the game this way but I'm, i think they did where every single home run, every single Orioles pitcher in the game had given up a home run. I'm like, it's, it's just, there's no end to their, to their, uh, to their suckage. Like, the, the pitching staff is so bad. And then their everyday lineup is so bad. Trey Mancini is the only thing that's like relatively a bright spot in that lineup. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. No, there's nothing. Beating the Orioles is not some sort of accomplishment. It's not impressive. It's something you just should no. Do. But seventeen I mean, and two would be. Yeah, of course. Especially after you lost the first series of the year, so you're one and two to yeah. start the season, which was with our <laughs> full, full freaking like normal lineup. Of course, it was. It, Stanton was in that lineup, and Duhar was in that lineup. Everyone was. Uh, but I'm, I'm just so desensitized to the home run at this point. It's like, oh, Higgy hit another home run. Okay, <laughs> duh. That's the funny thing about last night is that uh, Higgy hits two, or Shella hits two, Mabin hits a freaking monster. You know, like these these are the guys that are hitting all the home runs. For and Urshela hadn't ha, uh, hit a home run yet against against the Orioles, so he's like, "Whoa, whoa, guys, guys, <laughs> I got to get in on this. I'm swinging for the fences." Just so you know, you know what's crazy? They were yes, we're showing that graphic, and it was just the home runs at Camden Yards, and the top three guys home runs at Camden Yards were Glaber, Gary, and Clem Fraser. <laughs> Yeah, that, this that for this year, yeah, because Eric Lindfors played like four games there, and he has six home runs. And Judge hasn't done really much, and he was the Two. he's always been the the destroyer of Baltimore, and uh, just not so much this year. Uh, yeah, Judge is slumping right now, um, nine for fifty in his last fifty at bats. That's a one eighty batting average. Um, He'll get out of it. He's it's okay. I think it's just a slump <laughs> as well, but it's just sort of some people freaking out because because they they. It's it's Aaron, Aaron J- Judge it's Aaron doesn't this is slump this is where this, It's like what is going on? The glitch in the matrix. Why is Aaron Judge slumping? Is he hurt? That's the immediate um, thing my brain goes to. Yeah. Is is he hurt? Yeah, yeah. I you know it's who knows. It I doesn't seem like he's hurt. Seems like he's diving for balls, making phenomenal plays in the outfield, I agree. I agree. swinging and with and no issues. Doesn't seem like Tuesday. He's hurt. He went over two on Tuesday, but he walked three times. That's still productive. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely, you know he's just letting his other guys get his due until he gets becomes a monster at the end of the year when we really need him. That's a well. I think I would like to see. Uh, maybe I'm being selfish. Maybe I'm being. Uh, I want too much out of this team, but I, I would like to see a, a two or three week stretch where Judge just goes off before the playoffs. Yeah, I think it just to, it makes sense. I mean, you want to see him go in hot. You don't want to see him going and struggling for sure. Um, and I, I think the timing's working out that way. I think we're we're, we're going to be close to that probably. Because he will come back around and when he does it's gonna be, it's going to be hurtful for the other team yeah, and everyone is everyone's hitting everyone hits against Baltimore's pitching, but everyone's hitting and having but I still don't want to still don't feel comfortable going up against good pitching staffs if the best player in your lineup the most fearful hitter in your lineup is not hitting yeah agreed uh, and he hit last October, and uh, he was really the only one hitting last October. I mean Aaron Judge is probably the last person I'm worried about, so. Yeah, I agree. Um, I am worried about Tanaka, uh, who had another bad start, and it actually could have been a lot worse. But um, the Yankee, it didn't matter. The Yankee still won, won, won Monday's game. Canley give up the, gave up the home run to VR. Uh, he had been really good, Canley had. He had a .61 ERA coming into that night with over 14 innings. So that was just sort of like a little glitch for, for Canley. But looking at Tanaka's start... I know on your post-game video you said, oh, it's just another one bad inning for Tanaka, but I don't think that's the case at all. I thought he was getting crushed in that entire game, and he's lucky the Orioles didn't score three additional runs thanks to the Gardner and Didi relay, and then the replay at home that, I'm sorry, the guy was safe, and free play just still called him out, and then judges dive and catch out in right field to save a run because it was a runner on third base. I mean, yeah, but that's still not a ball that I'm worried about that was hit. So, look. So, yeah, he. There were balls that were hit hard, but I think the the reason I was saying that was because, first of all, when you're playing the Orioles, you want to be around the plate. That's just where you want to be. You want to be around the plate because you want to put the ball. I think you want to almost for Tanaka, uh, pitch the contact, like get, try to stay efficient, and. Um, and, you know, if they beat you on, on certain pitches, like obviously try not to uh, throw the ball over the plate, hit your spots, but be around the plate. Be around the plate more than you normally would even. The, the reason I thought that it was encouraging is because I started seeing that ball go down a lot more effective than we had in the past. Encouraging? You said that's encouraging? No, the ball going down, his pitches. His pitches getting down in the zone. Yeah, yeah, I think that's encouraging. I think it's it, just looked, like, uh, it looked like he was close to, to executing like fully. I, I don't know, there's just something I can see. In my eyes, that look like he's he's damn close to to being the the real Tanaka. Yeah, we haven't seen that downward action, to, you know, in, in in his starts in a long time, probably about a month month and a half, um, where he's figured it out a little bit. And I know before that he was struggling big time too with getting the ball down effectively and and getting that late action. And uh, during that start, I saw it a lot more frequently, and it looked the pitch looked a lot better. And when I'm seeing that, then I think he's working off other things. But I do think he was around the plate a lot. Um, and, uh, and that he's got to clean up that There's look. I'm not trying to make excuses for Tanaka I think Tanaka has been bad recently and these one big innings because that, that is what it is he can limit damage in certain cases but he's got to avoid these massive blow up innings they're terrible and he's still running into them it's like he hits a wall and then can't figure that out so he has to clean that up there's no doubt that he has to clean that up I'm, I'm not saying that that's not a problem because it is um, but it just seemed like from what I'm watching certain pitches that I think he's close he has nine more, I, I've, I'm guessing, nine more starts before the uh, playoffs to figure it out. He absolutely can figure it out. And if he doesn't figure it out, I think it's a huge problem for the, for the Yankees because I don't think they can go very far in a playoff series without him. Um, but yeah, the splitter. So we know it's not been a good pitch for him this year, even though it's been his best pitch. But this year, opponents off a splitter, 294 average, 309 on base percentage, 488 slugging. Uh, a 335 weighted on base average. And this is the real concerning thing. 17.9% with percentage. It was 36% last year and 33% the year before that. So he's getting half the swings and misses on, that, on his best pitch this year. And I know a lot of it is because the, he hasn't had the same downward movement. They talked about him adjusting his splitter grip. He was changing up his splitter grip. And you're right. I've, I thought in the first inning, the first inning only, I saw more depth on the slide, on the splitter. But later, as the game wore on, no, he was not. And that's a reason why he was getting crushed. The Orioles ranked 24th in Major League Baseball in runs scored. They suck. There is no redeeming qualities about the Orioles at all. And Tanaka got hit hard. And like I said, he could have given up more than five runs. He was lucky to only give up five runs. He, in reality, should have given up eight runs. I mean, the, um, the new grip, the fact that he's adjusting that new grip, too, like... That's gonna take a little bit of time uh, I mean it just it is what it is like to, to get that feel and control of it and and whether you have that in the beginning of the game uh, and then and then can lose it because it's something you're not used to yet the you know make sh- making sure that you're're you're, you're getting that same feel out of the fingertips uh, from from a, a different grip look I'm not again I can't make excuses for the guy he's got to clean it up uh, is it the baseball I don't think it's the baseball I don't think it's the baseball Why? Because I, mean, I have a really hard time seeing that as an excuse when I see other guys, uh, you know, still pitching well. When I see when I see the Verlanders of the world still throwing to a two something ERA like he normally does. No, no, but but Tanaka's best pitch was his split, was the splitter, and he had a certain grip for the splitter when the seams were different. Now the seams are supposedly different. I mean, I, I the, again, the, the, the it's been a tr- it's been a progression though of these seams. It's not like it was it has, like, but this is the first year people are really starting to talk. But about They also it. might be a collective um, effort in saying let's talk about it now too. Uh, Could be because I guarantee that there's a players union rep in people's ear saying hey look we know that you guys are complaining to us about these balls. You need to be vocal about it. Like, there's probably a campaign about the balls right now too, behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, and when when uh, Mike Talkman is going opposite field, Brett Gardner is hitting his first ever opposite field home run, and Kyle Higashioka is hitting two home. Didi's runs trying. Didi's really trying hard to get he's that. He's never ball. hit one. He, to he over needs left to field. hit one. Yeah, he's trying. He's making. This efforts. is the year, Didi, because they might change the ball next <laughs> year. You're not going to hit one if they if they change the ball. So yes, the ball is juiced. Yeah, it's juiced for everybody though. It's ju- like you said. It's, it's juice, juice for, everybody. for everybody. So you just got to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I, I I can't use the ball as an excuse. It's just it's it's uh, to me that's just so too easy. When you're a major league pitcher and you've been doing this forever. I mean, he's gone from Japan to to the major leagues. You know, and and you're going with all the, the different types of balls. The balls are different in Japan and, and majors. Yeah, I mean, you they're different. Size. They're different size. He figured that out, which with no I issues. think. To me, would be way more of an adjustment than seams. Well, I mean, if the seams are, are that much of a difference from one year to another, it, it can be absolutely an adjustment. Um, but yeah, the size—I mean, that's 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 literally—it feels different in your hands. Uh, but the se- size the seams, matter. size, size matters. Size, size does matter. The um, the thing about the seams, though, is that like that's where you're a lot of guys. That's where they're getting their action. I mean, they're pulling down on yeah. the seams. So when when you're pulling down on them and you can't get that same grip and that same uh, that same traction or that same you know inertia if you will then it won't it won't do what you got but you got to figure that out you got to know that we've been playing with it's not like the balls have changed since April this is um this is a reverse season for Tanaka because he had actually had a really good start to the season remember his first three starts of the year we were like oh wow Tanaka ha- is not sucking like he did the last two years maybe we're not going to see First half Tanaka this year. We're going to see second half Tanaka for the whole season. And then everything flipped on him. And since those first three starts, he's thrown 111 innings. And he's got a 550 ERA and an 803 OPS allowed, allowing 21 home runs. He's had one, a couple of bright spots in there where he's looked good. Specifically the June 17th start, right after he had a kid. Where he threw a complete game shutout against the Rays. He threw 111 pitches. He's had a 9 ERA and 8 starts since then. And he's never gone over 92 pitches. So, so when we see these, uh, these, these success areas too, doesn't that almost get rid of the fact that the ball is an issue, that, that the ball is like the excuse? Because he's, he's able to pitch with it in, in those certain games. Like why is it different in that game? And it's the adjustment to the ball then, right? Because maybe that day he made the adjustment or has nothing, yeah, to, do I with equate, it, has nothing to do with the ball at all. And it's all about his mechanics and, and the fact that he's just not repeating what he needs to repeat on a consistent level. I mean, I think that's more to it. I equate it to like every squirrel finds a nut. Like I can hit a drive center cut two ninety, but I'm not gonna do that every time. Yeah, I guess. But but at the same time, that's one swing. You're talking about a full outing. So there's a lot of bats that had to be missed on that particular day for him to well, he's he's a professional athlete. Exactly. I'm not he's a professional athlete that pulls both hamstrings running to first base, but you're <laughs> you're running the base paths. You have to you have to make the adjustments. That's the thing. So that's why I'm not looking at the ball. I'm looking at the fact that you know, it's mechanical, or the fact that his grip is is uh, just not working as well, or and or you know, guys are spitting on that pitch a little bit more too. It's just, and, and he's he's overthrowing it. But when you look at the whiff percentage, that what does that tell you? That tells you that one, the ball is not going down and provoking the swing and miss, but it's also telling you that the ball is not uh, being being missed, but it's being hit hard because it's over the plate and it's not and it's not getting that action. So, I mean, it's it's a telling stat because you know he can work off of that pitch and when when he's not able to to throw that ball down then it's just another fastball can you believe he was an all-star this year yeah because i think he was okay for the the first half when you look at the numbers i know it's just it's gone to, it's gone to shit so quickly uh yankees are now 10 and 0 with an opener 10 and 0 with an opener it was the first time Green was not opening, though. Holder was opening. The Yankees in, in their opener games have outscored opponents 73 to 40. It was an average score of 7 to 4. So, <laughs> when. So, so 10 games at 7 and 4 is 70 and 40. Got it. It's just really easy. The, you know, it's just a zero. I'm just, I'm just spelling it out Thank for you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. 7 to 4. So yeah, the opener is working, but they're also crushing the ball in all of these opener games. Yeah, so you think there's extra motivation? We're we're getting up for the opener, like we gotta. We I gotta don't help know what it out. is, but what I'm saying is everyone's excited for an opener in the playoffs. I might be too because I think an opener is marks more, more uh, exciting for the Yankees than starting Jay Happ or CC Sabathia. But are you gonna score seven runs if you're facing the Indians or the? Astros and you're using an opener and part of this is also who comes in after the opener because holder pitched two plus innings I wouldn't have tried to stretch him for for two plus I think that was a mistake but they had a short bullpen but I I really don't think Stephen Tarpley is coming in after an opener in the playoffs I really don't think Cortez Jr. is coming in in the playoffs after an opener is Cortez Jr. going to be on the playoff roster I don't know that's the thing I mean Tarpley definitely isn't Cortez Jr. has been Eh, okay. Here, look, like here's the thing. Every, everybody who's pining for this for this opener in, a, in the playoff situation, I don't really know what you're looking for. If you're looking for uh, if you're looking for a game to be just furious, then root for the opener. Because if anybody if anybody saw Jonathan Holder coming out to start a playoff game, they would lose their goddamn mind. If they saw, no, it'd be Chad. Gale. Fine, but but the thing is. What if Chad – so that opener, you're not starting the series with that opener. Maybe it's like the third game. What if Chad Green has to pitch in the first two? Then you're going to who? Whomever is, whoever, whoever is available in the bullpen? It would probably be game – I don't know if it would be game two or game three because game two, you get an off day. The next day, game three, you just came off an off day. It would be game three unless you're just really going for that opener. I, I don't know how you could do that game two. You, you can't do that game two. It's a game three situation if it's a situation. What if what if you uh, it's a I think it might be a fluid situation where it might be game two or game three. If game one you get you get beat then maybe you don't do it or if game one you have to empty your entire bullpen then you don't do it in game two. Like what if what if you have what if you can't if you empty your bullpen on game two you cannot expect or try to plan for an opener on game three. Yes, you can you have an off day. So what you well, you have no idea what happens in game two though. You can't plan for an opener in game three when, when you still have a game between and you've already burned your guys. I don't know what you're saying. What I'm saying is, is that you can't expect the game two starter to get deep into a game when, no, when that hasn't happened. So if you are if you get lit up on game one and you're expecting now a game, okay, I'm not going to do a game two. I'm going to do a game three. How can you plan for that? You can't because you still don't know what's going to happen in the next game. It's, that's the thing about the opener in the playoffs. It makes no yeah, sense to the me. Problem with the it opener. It makes no goddamn sense to me. It's it's just you're you have to in playoff situations all rules are out the window. You you have to bring in a guy when you have to bring in a guy. You have to use your bullpen when you have to use it. How? Yeah, that's the argument for the Yankees pitching staff is that don't look at it like starting pitcher versus relief pitcher. Look at it just innings. Who's pitching innings? Oh, this guy's gonna get you six outs in a ball game. This guy can get me three outs in a ball game. But the problem with that is you're adding layers of risk every time you bring somebody in you've get you have a chance of canley who had a 0.6 ERA in his last 15 outings coming in and giving up a home run because that shit just happens right like so you whenever you have that bullpen door open and someone else walks in there's a, there's yes, a chance that, that he might, has a bad day yeah it's just that's just baseball Susan. well i know i mean you're not arguing with me you're you're now on my side of the fence this, sometimes i just yell this is this okay. is exactly what i've this been this is my voice where i just this yelp. is exactly what i've been saying it was the problem with the opener your your chances your probabilities are much much lower when you're adding more people to the mix cuz you expect good performances from multiple people it's just not a sustainable thing like that's why look at tampa they did it all year and what did they do this year they moved away from the star, the opener they were like hey let's go get Charlie. Yeah, we're Brown. not going to tell anybody, but we're going to move away from the opener. Like we'll still do even even when they were doing it uh with w- with a couple of guys. They really weren't cuz they were throwing 3 4 5 innings. Well, th- and that's what the Yankees have done. But my point is with, is that with the the, tarpley, open- the guys Tarpley, the, the Cortez that- have tried to go 3 plus innings. T- no, because when you have Chad Green in there, you're going 2 innings. That's it. No, no, no. Chad Green comes that's in. That's your opener. Pitch I know that. That's your opener. That's No. That The Rays were doing the same thing last year. No, no. no. Last who's year. But guy? I'm saying this uh, year. Stanek. They have, they have, Stanek. they have changed their tune for the majority of their – This year they have. Last year it was Stanek, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Amongst, amongst whomever else. But Stanek was one and, of them, yes. And the uh, who's the guy with the H? That's what i was trying to think of his name right now. Yeah. Whoever it was. I'm drawing a blank. Um, they would use one guy in the first inning. He would pitch one inning. And then they would use those guys for three to five innings. So it was the same formula the Yankees are doing right now. Chad Green, one or two innings. And then the middle guy pitching three to four innings. That's exactly what the Yankees have done all season. And I think it's actually very sustainable for a regular season against the White Sox, against the Orioles, against the Mariners. It's not, I don't think, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they do in the playoffs. I don't know at this point what they're going to do, It a lot of it depends on the health of Luis Severino and Dylan Betances. So walking into the season, they were using Chirinos as their uh, as the, an opener, too. But even Chirinos has been getting depth. So they've really moved away from well, now like, he's a starter. I know, because that's how he, he was supposed to be in the beginning. They just didn't – I don't think he was ramped up yet at that point. The, the point is – my point with that whole thing is that Tampa was the team that was recognized for doing it the, mo- the most last year. One, they had a Cy Young winner, and they're like, oh, shit, like – it's really valuable to have a pitch a starting pitcher who does well so let's try to do that more and they've practically moved away from it whereas other teams are now going into it i think there's definitely an element of luck when you take chad green and he throws two innings you're like okay chad green's a good pitcher he's he was a dominant eighth inning guy a few years back for two innings at a time and now we're burning him in the first inning like is this sustainable because i don't know what's going to happen afterwards i'm not going to sit here and rely on guys like nestor cortez and david hale in the playoffs not happening so if I'm bringing in Jay Happ because he's on the roster and he's part of my opener scenario, why would he not just start the game and try to get depth? Like that—that's yeah. where I don't—you lose me there. Yeah, that's probably what they would do. And instead of having Chad Green pitch innings one and two, Chad Green will pitch innings four and five, or or six and seven because you have a starter on the mound. Yeah, I mean, I think if if Happ, I think with Happ or if they ever did start Sabathia, either of those guys the leash is so short the, no doubt no doubt but again you have the opportunity to get that whereas chad green you do not um it's not, it's just like a it's a nightmare for a manager is what it is yeah i'm just there's might not be an alternative there's always an alternative always uh the uh talkman talkman just keeps absolutely demolishing this guy is unbelievable ball. He's he was so bad home for so long. He's halfway over the left field wall. I lost the bet. Can we, can we talk about that for a second before we get to the... So the, um, Carl, my nemesis. Uh, yeah, you got to stop betting with Carl. Uh, he nah, just, I'm not. I think, does he does he like have a time machine where he can go into the future and know what's going to happen? Because every bet you've made with him, you've lost. I've only made two bets with him. And, okay, that's, that's every bet. And uh, for this two. bet, I mean... It's a it's a it's a matter of the fact. How did he win this bet? I don't understand. Because everybody's everybody is is uh, is dying on our team. They're all hurt. They're all gone. So Talkman's getting playing time. That's the only reason. But he was getting playing time in the beginning of the year when you made the bet, and he could not sniff a home run. No, he did. He hit he hit like two. The reason he made the bet. So the bet was with Carl was uh, that in the beginning of the season, Mike Talkman I think hit two home runs at Yankee Stadium in in in, in close proximity of, of time. And, and so he's looking at this, look, 10 home runs, like he got all excited. I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take advantage of this excitement. And I'm definitely making that bet because there's no possible way Mike Talkwood's hitting 10. Even if he could, even if he had the ability to do it, he's not going to get the playing time. He's not going to get the playing time to do it. So I'm like, this is the easiest bet I've ever made in my life. So I laughed and I took the bet. And the bet was yeah. I have to stand up. The loser of the bet has to stand up in front of uh, section 205 at a uh, BP crew event next year and uh, declare Sonny Gray as their daddy. Shotgun a beer in front of the entire thing, on video, live on Twitter as well. Hold on. Why next year? We have one more event this year. Because Carl's got to be there. Oh, okay. So he he chose the Red Sox game, of course. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. I I, I turn 40 next year, okay? (laughs) I'm really trying to do this while I'm still in my 30s, so I don't enter that year as as doing something really this dumb and shotgunning so a beer in front been. of like thousands of people. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I'm I'm circling I'm circling that for my own sanity, for my wife, <laughs> for my family. I'm trying to get it early on. You don't want the headline on some uh, like New York Post, like forty-year-old man makes a fool of himself, shotgunning a beer, falls stadium. over the balcony, shotgunning a beer. You're going to shotgun a beer, I don't understand. Oh, you're gonna get one of those giant cans because the only cans they yeah. sell at Yankee Stadium are those twenty-four ounces. Well, it, first of all, the logistics the logistics of shotgunning a beer in stadium are already difficult because the cans are open, so that's a that's a problem. Um, unless you tell them, maybe you do this, maybe you do this. No, nah, see that loses it. I may just have to chug a beer. Whatever. It, you know, a beer will be consumed fast. It's got to be it's got to chug. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the bet. I lost the bet. He hit on 10 home runs. Um, so, you know, maybe you chug one of those giant frozen margaritas. That's not happening. It costs like $35. So the uh the bet the bet is lost, but I'm a man of my word and I will do such things. But you know, it's one of those bets you're like, "Okay, like it's it's you can't believe that Mike Talkman's doing what he's doing because one uh, I don't think anybody thought he had the ability to do what he's doing except for maybe The nerds and Brian Cashman and no, they. I mean, they again. They how could they expect? They don't expect this, but they expect baseball and all these. They expect success. They expect greater success than what most people saw. And you know the fact that he's gotten the playing time, I think, is a crucial element. And I think that speaks to a lot of these guys. When you have opportunity and you're getting the amount of playing time that he's getting right now, you will see guys that you don't expect. Uh, if they have ability, you could see them break out because this is what baseball players are used to. They're used to playing every day. And I think a lot of times guys, um, you know, once they find themselves in a utility role or a, a role trying to fight into a starting lineup, they don't get that playing time. And I think it's hard for them to you know, get past that. He's on an unbelievable hot streak. Since July 5th, he ranks first in baseball in WRC Plus with 251, which is ridiculous. 547 weighted <laughs> on base first. 446 batting average first 1354 OPS first like these numbers are off the charts good from Mike Talkman from Mike Talkman these numbers are off the charts good he ranks he These uh, are numbers you see two, with another Mike T.
0: <laughs> right right
1: he's produced two fangraphs war in 60 games played if you extrapolate that production over a full season say he plays 150 games in a season he's going to get a couple weeks rest that's a five war player which is, which is all-star caliber player level. Five War is a tremendous player. And, and we're not even talking about the defense where he goes up three rows and steals home runs from people. Be, that's, uh, in fairness, a lot of his War is from his defense, right. but, but, but the, uh, that's part of the player that the Yankees traded but for. But when you're talking about the highlights, like people are, are looking at all the offensive stats. The fact that this guy does play uh, a damn good outfield and he can play all three positions just makes him that much more valuable. He was not valuable in June. He was he was a bad baseball player. And again, I think a lot of that has to come with the playing time because you get the you know that confidence behind you. You know, I'm sure there was a lot of bugs of doubt in in his mind saying like, "Do I belong here?" He's going up and down at Scranton. Clint Frazier's the guy that everybody wants to see there and Mike Talkman's blocking and doing all these things. So maybe he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder where he's saying, "You know what? I'm not Clint Frazier, but I'm better." He thinks he's better. He thinks he can outplay him. He says he's not there for the defense let me show you and that's what's happening the athletic wrote something on talkman recently and he was remembering one of the first moments he had in pro ball where he was taking batting practice and he had 50 swings in, in the cage and he was like he was very nervous because everyone was watching it was like in in one of his first batting practice sessions and he's like he got 50 pitches and swung and missed at 40 of them Oh, that's bad. That's really bad. <laughs> and he, he uh, afterwards called his dad and was crying. He was like, I don't think I can play baseball. Was like, I, I do like, I don't know. And his dad said, stop, never, stop crying. Stop I being a little bitch. There's no crying in baseball. Wake up. You're in the show. You're wearing pinstripes. Get it together. And well, that's what he needed. He was still with Colorado. Or Colorado. We're, you're still wearing pinstripes, but they're purple. swing and miss it four out of five batting practice pitches. <laughs> that's I don't even think I would do that. I'm not saying I, would, I could make contact in any sort of professional baseball game. I don't think I could. But you give me a batting practice fastball, I might only swing and miss at half of them. I think I can at least foul tip half of them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just one of those mental things. It's, it's funny how the mind will mess with you and take away your abilities. And then he said that night in the game, he got three cheap hits, and he, and he felt better about himself. He's like, I didn't hit the ball hard that game, but he got like three bloop singles. Hey, that's a John Sterling special right there. Anything to get the guy going. Line drive in the score you know. box. Yeah. Even he doesn't sell him, sell and like another that. guy who is uh, producing Romine as the starter since Gary Sanchez has gone on the injured list. He's 10 for 27. That's a 370 batting average, four homers, three doubles when he was the backup. So before Gary Sanchez got injured, he had a 244, 262, 328 slash line. So what's up with, with Romine? We've seen this. Whenever he gets regular playing time, he can be a productive offensive player. Um, and I think I think I mean, that makes sense, right? It's hard to come off the bench once a week and hit. You really, as a backup catcher, only in there to work with pitchers and make sure you catch a good game. So is Romine, do you think Romine's a starting catcher? I'm not saying for the Yankees. He's not a starting catcher for the Yankees. Gary Sanchez is the Yankees starting catcher. Romine's a free agent after this year, though. Is a team out there going to look at his numbers from last year, look at his numbers from starting this year, and say, you know what, we might be able to steal a starting catcher. I think so. I think he's definitely going to get an opportunity for it. I don't think it's necessarily talking about stealing a starting catcher at this point because he's got a lot of playing time underneath him. Um, but stealing a starting catcher salary-wise because you might, you might get him for a couple million. bucks. Yes, yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think when you see playing, I mean that's just what I was talking about with talking. And I think it's a lot of these guys they're they're used to regular reps and especially on the offensive side where you know timing is such an important thing and just getting your mechanics right and, and repeating them. It's hard to do that when you're not playing all the time. And I know they pride themselves as professional athletes and they, they, you know, they work at it, but you, you, you just nailed it. When you are a backup catcher, your primary task is to work with the pitching staff, uh, work with the starting catcher, make sure everybody's on the same page. Like It's a team effort at that point. And, and then, you know, you're, you're coming in there um, whenever you're called on, and you better damn well have a good control of whoever's pitching. So that's number one priority always for the backup catcher. And the fact that he's now hitting, I think, yeah, we're seeing reps. We're seeing the fact that he's getting his timing down. Um, I think it's all very important. So, yeah, I think he would be – I don't think he would be, you know uh, – I think he would be a, a, a very productive starting catcher on, on another team. I think he would. And I think he's going to get that opportunity. Very productive starting catcher. Yeah, very productive. Did I stutter? I just don't agree with you, but we'll uh, we'll see. Um, I'm not saying Romine sucks, but yeah, you are. No, that's exactly because if he because does, because you know, going on another team that's not the Yankee with Gary Sanchez in front of you, putting up some of the numbers that he puts up when he's when he's a uh, starting catcher, I'd call them productive. Oh, of course. I mean, the the numbers he has put up in a backup role have been productive. I just I don't believe that's the real Austin Romine. Offensively, I think the real Austin Romine offensively is like what we saw before the the this hot streak, which is like a, a six hundred OPS player, <laughs> not a good offense. You don't player. need to be. You don't need to do a lot to be a productive starting catcher if you can play the position well and right. then go up there. And that's what I'm saying. So if you go to another team that that needs that, I think he could absolutely be a productive starting catcher somewhere. And apparently he calls a good game, but he doesn't have a good arm. Part of the reason that the Yankees. Uh, that run that almost scored uh, against Tanaka, that double steal play. Romine made a terrible throw down to second base, which is why Didi had to jump for it, which is why his throw home was late. Replay held it up. They called him out. I don't know. I thought he was safe on replay. He was safe. Replay is a joke. I don't, that, like, we, we, they need to fix this. It's but that play awesome. started because Austin Romine did not make a good throw down to second base. Yeah, whatever. It is what it is. But for, if he wants to go over to well, like – It is what it is. is what it, it is. Who cares? If he want, no, but if I'm talking about on another team. I don't really care – uh, when he's making those small – my point is is that you're seeing a guy who's, who's been on the Yankees for this long as a backup role step into the position when when uh, Gary Sanchez has been down and been the, been a very, very good backup guy that has uh, filled in as a starter. So when I, if I'm another team and I'm looking at that, if I'm a team that has a, a young pitching staff and I need a catcher, I, one, I don't care about the offense as much. If I get offense, that's great. He can't be terrible, but I don't need a lot of offense. I need him to handle my staff. So I think Can he will he find be a starting Francisco job. Cervelli? Yes, I think. Well, I don't think he, I think for Cervelli is a better offensive catcher, or at least was when he left the Yankees. I haven't really followed his career since he's been with the Pirates, but he's uh, done. He's had too many concussions. Oh, that's a shame. He uh, he's he's one of those guys that that I think is. Um, I don't think he's the same bat as uh, as Cervelli by any means, but I think he's better. I, I probably better defensively. Sense. Can will he leave the Yankees? And and have like a, a nice six year run with a team where you're like, oh, wow. No, I don't Cervelli think so. was a lot more than I mean, Romine's older than Cervelli was at that yeah. point. So. I'd say I'd okay. say like, a, you know, a two to three years. But window. is he better? So here's the other side of it. John Ryan Murphy, right? The uh, twins traded for John Ryan Murphy because they thought they were stealing a starting catcher from the Yankees, right. And John Ryan Murphy was not good. Well, John Ryan Murphy so, was also a young uh, piece at that at that point, whereas Romine's not that guy. Romine's a uh, veteran catcher at this point. Yes, he's 30. Eric Kratz was playing meaningful games for the Milwaukee Brewers last year in the playoffs. Does Rom- But does Romine want to... I'm sure he wants to be a starter. I mean, I can't imagine he doesn't want to be a starter. That's He's a prideful Major League Baseball player. I think it's going to depend but on what, what he's got. At get. a certain point, if the Yankees almost meet the salary, is, would he just say, you know what, I got a good thing going here, and I'm going to play on a competitive team and... and and get my reps and probably start for a month when Gary Sanchez inevitably, inevitably needs a, a month on the year. Yeah, interface. I think it's very possible. I mean, he has a a good role here. While it's not, quote, the starting role, he does have a very important role on this team. Um, he's been with the organization forever and ever and ever. You know, He may be entrenched in this area and just not want to leave. And, and the money that he would get starting somewhere could probably be very close to what he gets. It's not going to be that big of a difference, probably, most likely. Uh, it'll Unless probably be longer term... Yeah, get a stupid team, and, and you, very well that could happen. It Happens all the time. In baseball. And if you get a stupid team, Austin Romine, get your money, kid. But that's the thing: like you're not going to get a, a team stupid and, and giving out like you know a, a terrible, terrible yeah. contract. It's a, it's a, it would be a um, overpaying on a cheap contract. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not going to be life, It's not going to be him uh, making you know insane amount of money somewhere else. It'll probably be marginal. I'm looking up how much money Austin Romine has made in his career to date. And you know damn well he's because comfortable because he's been with this, this organization for a long ass time. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I think that he is very comfortable here and he loves it. He but has nobody made cares five about it. <laughs> $5.8 million career to date. So what if a team offers him a $15 million contract over yeah, see, three years? That's the thing. I think if you get a longer-term contract with guaranteed money, then he's gone. Because I don't think the Yankees would offer him that. And then he can triple his career earnings. And I would 100% say to Austin Romine, good for you. Oh, no doubt about it. If he gets a, if he gets a, a two- to three-year deal with guaranteed money like that, and someone's saying, like, we're going to be your catcher, you're going to be our catcher, and you're saying, okay, you're going to pay me that much money total, like, that's, he's looking at that big number. That's it. Yeah. Um, he, he doesn't Paxton, care about AAV. Paxton backed up a start against Boston. This is the thing I was looking for. Paxton Andrew, in Andrew, we haven't lost a game since, the, uh, since the, uh, the trade deadline. I know. We have not it's lost a game. Because, it's because apparently the Yankees were fired up that they didn't get anybody at the trade deadline. They were. Whereas the Red Sox decided, oh, we don't, our, our management doesn't believe in us. And we're going to cave in on ourselves. So <laughs> that's what happens two when Different mentalities after the All-Star break. That's what happens. I mean, after the... It feels like the All-Star break, though. That's what I'm saying. It... Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's where you are in, in, the, in the standings, too. I mean, like, the Yankees already felt good about themselves. If they added someone, like, great. But if they didn't, they're like, okay, this is us. Whereas the Red Sox are like, we, we, we need some help. But nobody's spending any money. We need some help. So I've heard uh, players talk about... I think it was David no, – no, it was when the Yankees acquired David Cohn. I forget who was talking about oh, this Jesus. on the uh, – they said on the Yankees, but they said that reinvigorated us that season when our management went out and traded for David Cohn. So it, it, it works both ways. It absolutely does. Your, your management goes out and acquires a big piece, and your guys say, great, let's go. We're in the dog days of summer, but we just got – an all-star level player that's going to come in and help us—we're pumped up about that. So it goes both ways. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it also depends on where you are before that happens too. Like, where's your mindset? Because you could flip it both ways too. If you get it, of course they're going to say that, you're like, yeah, we're better. But if you don't get it, right. like, oh yeah, we're really good. We—they believe in us. Yeah, and it's—it's it's a really good thing that the Giants did not trade Madison Bumgarner yeah, because they're going because places. They've gone three and seven in their last ten, and now the Mets have passed them. Good. It was a—it was a great decision on their part. I hope. That they make a, a a monument of Madison Bumgarner. Well, if they don't re-sign him, then they're just the, the biggest morons on earth. Although I guess they get a draft compensation if he walks. Yeah, they could have traded him and then re-signed him. Um, the uh, the Paxton start. I was I was looking for him to back up that Boston game where he he finally showed us something. And if he didn't back it up against Baltimore, you got to be worried because it's a it's a crap lineup and Paxton should be able to dominate them even without his best stuff. And that's what he did. He had the scoreless first inning, which is the first win, right? Haven't had that in a long time from him. So scoreless first inning, check that box off. Here we go, baby. And then he continued to mix in his curveball. I thought the fact that he had to spend so much time sitting on the bench in some of these innings for him to go back out there, get through six innings. He threw 108 pitches, I believe. Allowed a couple of base runners in the end, but I think the Yankees have just had like a 20 minute inning. It's like, I don't even, I, I kind of ignore that aspect of it. What I'm looking at is the fact that he built on Boston, didn't let a bad lineup beat him. And now Paxton can say, I've got a snowball rolling downhill. I'm going to be good from here through the season. Yeah. I mean, I hope he takes it start by start and doesn't go that far ahead, but he is, that's something you need. You need, you need your starting pitcher to build on uh, some confidence up. Um, he's got the ability that's uh, we've all been saying this he's got the ability to do do such things if he's around the plate if he's leading and throwing strikes with that fastball and we've we've seen the attention now um, with him and talking about the curveball that they're adding the curveball a little bit more because he's not getting the uh, the splits that he wants as far as velocity on his other pitches he needs to mix in that curveball to to change the batters tempo and their and their rhythm and, and getting was it just that simple <laughs> I mean that's was a big deal no I, no I think it's 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 also it's it's a thousand percent locating your fastball too. If he's not locating his fastball, he's in trouble. You know, no matter what else he's throwing. If he's throwing that fastball and can change up with some other pitches, then yeah, I think it's it, it's certainly a big help, especially when you throw 98 miles an hour. If you got something that's you know you're you're taking 10 to 15 miles per hour off of a, off of a pitch and you're able to throw it for strikes and it's looking the same out of your hand or close to it. Then yeah, that's putting something in the back of the um, the eye where they have to sit wait for that ninety-eight mile an hour fastball because you can't adjust to a 98, 98 mile an hour fastball. You have to adjust to the curveball. So if you're throwing that curveball over for strikes, then it's going to be it's going to be effective and everything works off of each other. So it's it's huge. It's it's and I didn't watch the first inning, by the way. I was putting it. it always what, it's were you too nervous? No, no. It's it's like you know bedtime with Kemp is like you know around first. It's like right around starting the the first pitch every night. Uh, somewhere around there. And this one had overlapped, so I didn't see it. So now I'm never going to watch another James Paxton first inning unless yeah. things go bad. We found, we found the key. I mean, that's it. So, yeah, Can, don't ask me about his first innings anymore because I'm not watching them. Are you superstitious in other parts of life, non-baseball? Uh, it depends if things work. <laughs> if something <laughs> so, that's, in le- so that answer is yes. In, I'm not overly superstitious, but, you know, I'll, if something works well, I'll do it again. And then if it works again, I'll do it again. Do you again. have an example? No, I don't. Okay. I, just, I repeat things that go well. Is that being superstitious? What do you mean repeat? So this? if you're like in a situation, I, I don't even know what to, how to, you, you have to give me a scenario here, but if, if something is uh... like, you're going to re- you're honestly going to repeat not having James Paxton's first inning on, on TV. Are you going to listen to it? Or are you just going to totally media blackout for the first inning of James Paxton? I'll text you when it's done. Yeah, no, I'll just go. I'll just be late to that game. Yeah, no, I will <coughs> not watch the first inning. Okay. Yeah, I'll watch the replays, but I will not watch the first inning live. Of okay. course. Yeah, why would I? That's, that's stupid. <laughs> that's playing with the universe and fate. I'm not doing that. You, you're do you not, not, talk you're about, not putting that shit on me. Do you not talk about no oh, hitters? Oh, God, no. And it pisses me off when people do. I talk about no I hitters. know you do. Trust me. I, I, I usually go media blackout. When no hitters <laughs> are happening too, like all media blackout with social media blackout, I'm not trying to listen to anybody. Frank's blown a couple oh. no hitters, I think, in our chat. I make it a point. W- w- uh, no, he hasn't. Oh yeah, he because has. I don't. There's not. Uh, there's no such thing as a no hitter until the sixth inning. Oh well, no no yeah he, he's he's blown a few. We there's been no hitters after the sixth. inning. I don't inning remember and when and they were, but I'm telling you, he's blown a few. That's it. He's talked hey, about one it. One thing we got a hit. That's blowing it. Do you remember what was the season in baseball that had like an obscene amount of no hitters? Was it 2014? I think. I mean, who are you asking here? You're asking me to to recall which year had you? Do you recall there that being a yes, thing? Yes, there were we like there like were a crazy amount of no an insane amount of no hitters for one of those years within the last five. years. We're not years. getting those anymore because no one's going nine innings anymore. Right. That's that's the regular with baseball. Even when you're even when your uh, Aaron Sanchez was coming over goes over to the Houston Astros, they throw a no hitter collectively, but Aaron Sanchez gets pulled. Uh, what, in the sixth inning? Six in, or maybe in the seventh inning, was it? Because of, yeah. uh, you know, pitch count. They didn't want to see him go further, and, and, and you're getting pulled. Ten years ago, so now you fun- go. They, they go until you give up a hit. You could throw 200 pitches, yeah. 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 Now, it's uh, finally the no-hitters can be special again, because I think they were no longer special. Yeah, I mean, a complete game is a special thing to me today. So Yeah, hell yeah. And Tanaka had one this year, <laughs> which makes it all the more weird of Tanaka's season. All right, we, uh, we covered all the good stuff from the Baltimore series, some bad stuff, really more injuries. Uh, Glaber's core issues. So quick rundown on what's happened with him this week. Sunday, he uh, left that Sunday night game, ran a ton of tests him at the hospital. He did nothing. And then he's back in the lineup on Monday. That shocked everybody. You thought even if they f- did test and found nothing, they're going to give him the night off because they're overly cautious. Nope. Back in there, he goes over. Tuesday, But he's back, he's back in back there in playing. the DH spot, didn't play the field. Yep. Tuesday back in, but if it's a core issue, swinging the bat is the thing that's like as much of an issue as anything. Tuesday back playing second base, leaves the game. He didn't look bad. He had another offer, left the game. And now you're saying, okay, it's, there's obviously something wrong with him. They do more tests on him. They did uh, all the tests came back negative, including negative for a sports hernia. He's day to day not going on the injured list. What the hell is going on with Gleyber Torres? I have no idea, but there's obviously some kind of a discomfort, soreness, or something going on in in that region. I mean, look, I was getting getting into it with some people on Twitter about this thing. Like, I I don't, I'm not saying that he's got a. a I don't know what it is. It could be general soreness in an area, and and it's just affecting him in some way. All I know is that on Monday, when I'm watching him take those swings, you can tell that that left that left leg is. You know, quote uh, stepping in the bucket, however you want to call it, it's not it's not his normal stride and it's not his normal swing. He was opening the hips up early, and usually when you're doing that, it's because you're you're favoring something. You're 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 trying to you can't get that same snap, that same twitch off of uh, off of your hips, and that's where your power comes from. These guys are disciplined with their hips and with with opening up early. When when I'm watching this and him flailing at outside pitches, that's not Gleyber Torres. And the pitchers saw it too, because they're doing this, they're throwing the ball in areas where they know he's going to do that. So it's not like this wasn't identified by the other team. It was, and you could visibly see it. I could see it in his first at bat that he was favoring that he didn't look the same. So whether, you know, these, the tests are not coming up with something, maybe it's not enough to show up, but there's something going on. Like he's, he's sore in some area. So I, you know, I don't know what it is, but obviously they're doing all these tests and they're trying to figure it out what it is for him. Um, And if it is an issue, like a day or two probably won't solve it. It's going to reoccur. Right. Yeah. And uh, the hip issue, he had the hip issue last year in the second half. Yeah, that's what's concerning when we started to see those really poor at bats flailing at the breaking balls outside. And that's reminiscent of the at bats we saw on Monday and Tuesday. And for a young guy, he's had a lot of little little injury issues i mean the tommy john surgery on a slide into home plate in the minors is a fluke thing but that's still a major injury for a guy um that young hip issue and now these core core muscle pains like whatever it is i know the test found like you said test didn't find anything but something's bothering him so and i I really hope it's i'm surprised they're not sticking him on the il for for 10 days like you have a giant lead in your division what's more important building your lead from 12 games to 14 games or making sure Gleyber Torres is healthy in the playoffs. Like, come on. I mean, yeah, I, I don't disagree. Like, I I don't see how it can, can, uh, I don't see how it could hurt the team at this point, especially with the amount of, you know, the amount of production that they're getting from anybody who comes in there. It doesn't even matter who it is. Tyler Wade comes up in his home runs at this point. So Bring up Estrada, have him play second. Yes, yeah, It's so the, uh, I, I I I don't know. The, the fact is that he's telling them he he feels okay, and they're not seeing anything. So I guess at that point you're like, okay. Even though I, I'm not in the I'm not in those rooms. Like it's hard for us to to say one thing or another. All we know is that we see with our eyes what's happening, and we also see the lead. And you're like, can we just be careful with him? And and the reason that's happening that's in the our weird minds, thing. They're not being careful with him. They're careful with everybody else. Anyone else like leaves? The one guy will clip his nail and like get a little piece of skin, and they're like, "Okay, you're not playing tonight, dude. It's okay. We're gonna go with a short bench tonight." Right? Yeah. No. It's weird. It's it's weird. When you see him come back into the uh, into the ballpark last night, did you see this this clip of him coming into the dugout? He came back, made the made his appearance, and like everybody's just like so excited that Glaber's here. Like, oh, the kid's here. The kid is here. And he's all pumped up walking. They were through. just like, dude, it was just diarrhea, right? It was just diarrhea. It, it's just, uh, it's 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 funny when you see the dynamic of this team, and you see like the young twenty-two-year-old kid walk back in, uh, who's you know just an all-world player, and the 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 team like greet him the way it is just gives you gives you the goosies gives you those those good feelings of baseball that they're all just like a, a, a little a brotherhood in that dugout and they love each other and that just makes the it so camaraderie, much camaraderie yeah i love it. the maven maven dishing out hugs left and right. i love it i love it i really do makes baseball that much better well what i think is uh, the bigger storyline here with these injuries is the yankees really poor med- the poor performance by the medical staff overall this year and misdiagn- misdiagnosing injuries, timetables being screwed up. Um, with the Sevi, the seven non MRI before throwing is the biggest blunder that they've had all season. But even when Hicks went down in spring training, the medical staff and Boone's talking like he's going to be ready for the first week of the season, and he's out until the middle of May. They're way off on that. But Tansy's original misdiagnosis. I mean, that also right. real quick, the, the the Hicks timetable thing. Like, first of all, I think. I think some of that has to play with like, people opening their mouth too much about what a time frame is. Like, A doctor was probably cringing when he said that out loud <laughs> yeah, in public. He's like, oh, that was supposed to be between you and me. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I'm not putting that on the doctors th- that they said he was going to be back at that point. I, it's hard for me to do okay, that. But, but I don't think Boone pulled that out of his ass. No, I'm sure so there were some, conversations. Somebody, somebody in the medical room told him, Hicks should be back by the first week of the Hicks season. Hicks could okay? be back in the, in the beginning so even of the season if they, if th- if they well. never communic- even if Boone never communicated that to us, that's still a misdiagnosis. No, no, no it's not. Because sometimes with a soft tissue injury, you could say, you, could say uh, you know, if this goes well, if this and this happens, he could be back then. But if this and this happened, it could be much longer. There's a lot of different scenarios that could play out. I just think that people open their mouths too much and, and just give way too much information to the media sometimes. Like, do the Belichick thing. Just shut up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I agree. Batansis, uh, the misdiagnosis and the whole stuff about not telling him about his bone spurs w- was a total shit show. That's been a shit show. That was just an 2000- asshole move. 2006. Uh, and Duhar can- comes back. It- does he need surgery? Does he not need surgery? Ends up having surgery. Stanton, like, he's finally doing baseball activities. He hit off a tee. Woohoo! But he goes uh, b- bicep strain, which turns into a shoulder strain, which uh, then he comes back, somehow turns into a calf muscle. And a strained knee. It's like all these different things with state. Well he got he got hit on the knee by a by a, a pitch. So that that absolutely can help. But he sprained his knee running the bases. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying like he, he was he was hit down there as well. So there were weird things. But again, like don't talk about the injuries because you're giving us expectations. But then when they don't talk about it, we're like, Hey, what's up? Are you there? I need some Tell me, give me some information about this guy. I haven't heard anything. Are you saying, are you saying we want it both ways? Are you saying we're talking <laughs> out of both sides of It's possible. Of our it's I, possible that we want I it both ways. I don't think that we're doing that. We, I've never known. We to just do want that. the timelines to be absolutely correct <laughs> and manageable so that they're back within our expectations of when we think they should be back. Well, the injuries this year have been out of control, and Sanchez calf strain and groin issues, uh, Voigt's core, so the Voit core abdominal strain is making me scared for the glaber stuff it is it's it's definitely making people gun shy on this one too because of the just happened you know it's so recent and i I see that picture i think it was in london of that picture of voight doing that like yoga pose on first base you know the picture i'm talking about he's like doing like the seal thing or whatever it is yes uh that was in london i believe and i'm I'm pretty sure that that's that picture is very very telling of what he's stretching out like to me Uh, i think it was before was it it was around that time we did that it was around that time I don't know. That's just one of those, that's one of those, that's one of those like stretches that really works your core. (laughs) And like, you know, you're really just like stretching out your midsection. So you're saying that's where he hurt himself? I'm saying, no, I'm not saying, I'm saying he was stretching that area out significantly at that point. It's just a funny picture at the time. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) It's very convenient. You're just connecting dots. Yeah, I am. I went back to it. I'm like, wait a minute. I I think that was before London. It was around the time. Either way. So it's for me, like the big, the, the big problems I have, are are you know letting people play when you really don't need them to uh and then you know not making sure guys are totally in a position that you're comfortable with before they start their rehabs like those are the biggest blunders for me the Sevi thing is is to me inexcusable and then you know if we're looking at like like to me if Gleyber Torres hurts his midsection now and has any kind of significant injury I'm going to be livid when do you think he plays again I mean, they're talking about him playing in Toronto on the freaking turf, which is awesome. That's the sounds like a really great idea. Is he going to play Thursday, tonight? I hope not. I, but the way that they're they're acting like he's back is, and you know that uh, Estrada was up and back down again. He's right. Estrada just took a trip to Baltimore. He's coming to play. Maybe he went to the Inner Harbor. Went to went to the ESPN Zone. If that thing. What's still the there. point in him being on the roster at that point? Well, he's not. No, no, no. I'm talking about Gleyber Torres. If he's not going to play, oh. I agree. So I don't, <laughs> because you have the luxury of your because of your lead to be extra cautious with guys and pop them on the ten day DL, and then you can just uh, you can just make sure he's hundred percent healthy. And the void thing, we still haven't heard. Is he rehabbing? Is he, is he having surgery? Yeah, we, had, we still don't no, know. No, yeah, we had a, he had a cortisone shot, and and so to me, what that leads me to believe is that if he had surgery, uh, six weeks, or, I think this is what they were saying. If if surgery were to happen, if it's surgery, I think that's yeah. aggressive, especially for a guy that you know, swings violently and does needs needs a, needs time to get back up, you know, get his so swing he's gonna back. So going to rehab it. I think that they're trying to rehab it and see what happens because, one, I don't think there's a risk for, you know, anything with his career as far as that injury if he were to try to rehab it. And, two, I think that if he did go to the surgery that they probably – it would be damn close to get him back for anything. So why not try to rehab it, see if they can get him because otherwise he's gone anyway. So, I mean, that's, that's what it kind of looks like from the outside. And rehab is not going to be – I bet the rehab takes – four or five weeks too it probably won't take that long but you get the quarter zone shot theoretically you're, you're feeling a lot better at that point if you can if it's not if it's something that you can just deal with and it's not you know a tear that's going to get worse maybe it'll work I, I mean i i don't see it working but, but the at this point i think if they were going to do the surgery they should have made that decision immediately because it's a six to six plus week rehab so you got to have the surgery, and then you can get him back soon. Now, if you have the surgery, six weeks, you're looking at middle of September. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, even if they did it then, it was going to be. He's been hurt for two weeks. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like Even Her if they did it then, it was going little... to be very close. So I think at this yeah. point, yeah, you do surgery. He's out for the season, no doubt. Did he, get, did he go back on the IL the first week after the All-Star break? Wasn't it that, that week? Uh, it was after London. It was after London is when they, yeah, when they, when they put but it on. Back. Yeah, see, but he, he came back. Yes, he came back, and then, exactly. Then he just went back on, yeah, a week, and a half, a week ago, a week and a half ago. All right, yeah. So, like we said, four games in Toronto, and then they come home for an eight-game homestand against Baltimore that they should demolish, and then a big series against Cleveland, which I'm actually really looking forward to because Cleveland's been hot. They're they're in the wild card first position right now. They're trying to catch Minnesota, and then a long West Coast trip, nine games: Oakland, Dodgers, Seattle. So uh, a bit of a, a tough. They're in the middle of a really tough part of their schedule, just with few off days. Which again makes playing with a downed bench Glaber Torres just sitting there not being available to play even that much more difficult. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Like, let's, let's just get some rest, get this guy back. The one, when we're looking at this nine-game West Coast trip, um, it's interesting because it's the Dodgers, not the Angels, right? So we're, we're throwing a new team in the mix here, one that we don't normally see. It's usually Anaheim. But they're doing the, uh, the players weekend when they're in, at the Dodgers too. Did you see the uniforms? Oh, yes, I saw. I mean, this is an embarrassment for Major League Baseball. Like, oh, Scott's on his high horse. I, I don't give. A, I don't care about the the names on the back. Whatever, like that. I'm over that. But the fact that they're doing these these new uniforms, you know, for for that, and I know that they they Cha-ching. they've gone back. Well, they've gone back to like uh, almost like a uh, spring training style uniform in the past. Whereas this one is just very different. It's like almost like the color blast that the NFL is doing where Dodgers are going all oh, yeah. white. I remember that. Do, you, do you remember the colorblind people couldn't tell the difference between the Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forget which game. No, that, that, that is not something they expected. Forgot about that part. Like who's playing? I don't know who has the ball. That's pretty oh, funny. So funny. The, um, but yeah, you're looking at this, 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 uh, these uniforms. I'm like, man, you have two of the most storied franchises <laughs> in know. major league baseball. And you're going to roll them out in these trash, ugly, horrible uniforms when, when you could be going back and playing to the historical, you know, the history of both of these teams, the fact that they both played in New York together. Like we could do something really cool with some older style uniforms, but bringing it back to modern day, Brian. Right. Uh, give me some, give me some throwback units. Give me, I don't, they don't even need to be throwback. They could be throwback in a new modern way. I have uh, I've talked about him in the past. Friend of the show, Yankees fan in Jersey, Brian Begley Jr. He is a designer. He does a lot of uniforms. He's done uh, uniforms for the Durham Bulls. He has a uh, a mock up on Twitter of of uh, what he would do for the Yankees, and they're like a heather dark, still black type because that's what the Yankees were going with. But it was more of like a heather throwback. He was he was incorporating some some uh, you know some traditional things from their past they looked cool. They looked, you know, if you're going to do an alternate uniform and that's what we've decided on, make it look cool. Make it look historical. Like do something that's, 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 that's relative or that's uh, that, that makes any bit of sense. The fact that you're having two of the most historical uh, franchises in baseball playing each other in, in LA, which doesn't happen very often. It's just a missed opportunity. It really is. (sighs) I don't know. Maybe I'm Maybe I'm just like not the type of person to give a crap about. Like, I don't care. I do not care, give one tiny shit about these player weekend uniforms. Yeah. It's just, I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. I'm still going to watch the, ba- the baseball. Game. I just like things looking good. And I think, sure. And I would think would that Major I, would, League Baseball sure. yeah. would. That, they should be better. Is, They're Major League Baseball. They're spending billions of dollars a year. They make billions of dollars a year. They're probably paying this, these uh, designers millions of dollars come up with a better design. I get it. But at the end of the day, I don't care, but it's also uh, an opportunity where baseball—you'd think that that you know has such a great importance on their heritage and the numbers and you know all of the traditions of, of baseball. Like you'd think that this would be, a, you know, just a glowing, wide open opportunity to do something cool, and they failed to do that. It's just unfortunate. You know, this is fourth year, third or fourth year for these player weekend uniforms. Every year, people have complaints about them. Look, I'm over the the the, the, the nicknames. Like that's fine. They're they're. People think they're fun. That's cool. Fine. Be fun. That's fine. I'm glad you brought up the uh color blast uniforms cuz the NFL always try uh, tried to do it. And it's like why is the NFL doing this because they're they're sort of like an indestructible um product at this point. Like people watch no matter what. So, the fact that base the fact like NFL did it is one thing, but baseball's trying to do this. I I assume to sell jerseys, bring in viewers. I, it's just I don't see how that does that. But I'm not the person they're going after. Again, like we say for all of this marketing stuff, you and I are not the people they're going after. They already have us. They're going after the other people who don't watch the games or maybe only watch 5 games a year. They want them to watch 10 they're games. Going a year. The they're going after the younger crowd is what they're doing because you have to train that. You can't just all of a sudden be like, "Oh, I'm a baseball fan." Like that doesn't usually happen. It's usually happens somewhere in your youth. It's the youths. It's the youths they're going after. Uh before we end the show, I will first I do want to uh, talk about Pedro Martinez uh, for a second, but call for uh, I want to uh, send out a call for mailbags and voicemails. So as you guys know, every Monday episode is when we do the voicemails and the mailbags. Um, love hearing from you guys. Last week you, we had a great batch of emails, so send them in at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can also tweet us and uh, put them in the Facebook group, the Bronx Pinstripe Show. A lot of, a lot of good chatter in there um so you can post it there um rate and review the show if you have not done so so if you've been a listener of this show for one episode 10 episodes 100 episodes 356 episodes definitely give us a five-star rating and review um because it is the number one way other than just listening you guys can help us out and the voicemail line 646-480-0342 and and we have a new intern. Cue the, cue the applause. So we got some help here for, uh, for getting these voicemails back in. We're going full bore. Um, they will be every single, every single Monday show. And uh, our guy, AJ, is coming aboard. He's a, uh, he's a senior up at Syracuse Newhouse, and we're excited to have him on. So uh, we're, we're keeping it. We, we stayed in the Marist family, and then the Marist family moved and uh, went to grad school at Syracuse with Dom, and now we're staying in Syracuse. So I feel like we're, coaching tree. We're, we're, yeah, we're we're uh, we're sl- we're on the sliding scale for universities, and we're we're happily at uh, uh, getting some guys from Syracuse that are going to be doing a good job, and then also um, another another one coming aboard is Clara, who's doing the uh, she does a lot of social media stuff for the Louisville Bats right now. She's going to be coming on and doing a bunch of social media stuff for us, so we're excited for those two guys to be joining the family. And uh, yeah, the other thing I wanted to say, BP Crew chapters, we got a bunch of uh, watch parties coming up uh philly i know has one coming up next weekend so if you are in any of these you know major areas that we already have a group go online go at you know send a dm if you're somewhere looking for uh you know to to meet up with some yankee fans and watch some yankees baseball Uh, i know philly has a really good chapter going so if you're in the philly area and you're listening to the show stop get off your ass get off your couch go hang out with some people go drink some beers go hang out with some yankee fans and uh and have a good time and then finally the um uh, the, the the last rem- remaining Bronx Stripes crew regular season game is August 31st. Time is uh, getting, getting down. The Philly crew will be there. I know that. Uh, I saw them signed up. And um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, T-shirt orders are going to be going in probably the, the next week at some point. So get on that. I'm going to reveal the shirt early, I think, this year because it's something uh, that I think is a perfect fitting to end the season. And uh, so you guys will know what you're missing ahead of time if you don't sign up. Yeah, this is the last one. I'm wearing the last event t-shirt. DJ LeMayhew is my MVP. Those are up in the fan shop now. Go check out the new Twitter handle, too, at Yankee Shop um, for all the gear. Uh, uh, Scott's wearing the Savages hat. I've got the LeMayhew shirt on right now. Um, go buy both of those. It's a, it'd be a good combo. Um, also, uh, like you are talking about the BP crew chapters, the, the Baltimore DC one went to the, the game this week. In Baltimore. They were. They're, they're, uh, they're there pretty much every time the Yankees are, are in Baltimore. Um, those guys are doing an awesome job. They've been meeting up at Pickles. So if you're in the Baltimore area and you have not connected or gone and hung out with them, what are you waiting for? Go onto the, the page and, uh, and find these guys. They have a Twitter account. They have a Facebook group where they coordinate everything as well. Um, and then we obviously are all kind of inter- intermixed in here and, uh, and hang out with them when, when we're down there and they've come up to, to Yankee games as well. I know Allie's been to a bunch of events um, and Brian's been to the stadium recently, or is coming. I think maybe next week. But um, yeah, co- go hang out. There's a lot of Yankee fans all over the all over the globe, all over the map right now. And we have a chapters in a lot of cities. Tampa is another one. If you're in Tampa, go 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 to these chapter events. Uh, a lot of good dudes down there. Uh, South Florida's doing their thing. Uh, there's a New Jersey chapter doing their thing. Got, I'm sure I'm missing uh, people, but. A lot of good stuff. Minnesota, Salt Lake City, Denver, Denver. My my brother's in the Denver chapter. He's been to practically every event out there. So go hang out. Vermont. All right. Pedro Martinez, old friend Pedro said that the Phillies had the swine flu in the 2009 world series. And, uh, he said a lot of the players were infected with it. He himself was feeling the effects in game six when he got crushed at Yankee stadium. So, uh, Pedro. Ten years later, making a little excuse for himself and the team, his teammates, as to why they got uh, beat in that World Series. That's a shame. Just, 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 uh, hey, Pedro, do me a favor and just try to look at what's going on with our, our, uh, our pitching staff and and give them tips. That's all I want. That's all, all had, I want out of Pedro. Had you ever heard, in, uh, of or this? maybe I don't, because I still believe it that his long game was to infect. The swine flu or he whatever tipped. he was doing to well he tipped off he he said, Hey Severino, when you're throwing a slider, you want to do this with your hands, and then he tipped off the rest. Yeah, socks. so so he's infecting not only was he infected with the swine flu, uh, which is a nice excuse in uh in when he was with the Phillies, but he's also trying to infect the Yankee staff by by giving them tips. Um <clears throat> had you heard anything about the Phillies being sick during that World Series up until now? I don't remember it. I didn't remember it either. I did a Google search, and they, I, I saw, like... I remember, the swine, random, I remember the swine flu going around, though. I remember a ran, So I found a random article from 2010 talking about the 2009 Phillies being sick. Yeah. But that's really it. And it was not mentioned at the time, at least from my memory. Um, I don't think Cliff Lee had it. He dominated the Yankees in that World Series. And if he did, he was really good pitching in the swine... With the swine flu. Yeah, uh, it's just one of those things. Like, I, you hate seeing people make excuses for losses. Why do you hate? I, and, and the, the swine gives a shit. It, it, it was ten years ago. No, Who no cares. The swine flu though is just such a funny because it's 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 perfect it's for Pedro. Swine flu. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's not like oh we were sick. Oh there was like, there was a cold going around. No, we had swine flu. Yeah, it's like it's, oh next we're gonna hear the bubonic plague was infecting everybody in the Phillies club. It's very Pedro. It's very dramatic. It's 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 what Pedro does. It's something that I would expect to come out of his mouth or A Rod's mouth. I would expect the A Rod to talk about the swine flu as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even if the Yankees, maybe the Yankees did have it. They still won that World Series. So, 10 year anniversary. How come they didn't do a, a joint 10 year, a joint 10 and 20 year, 99 uh, 09? Because they did the 96 20, the 98 20. I don't know. I thought they were going this, to. You could have killed two birds with one stone. I you? fully expected it. I, I really. Until you just brought it up, I'd forgotten about it. They haven't done it. But um, I was expecting it. I don't know. Maybe they're going to do a 20 year anniversary for the 2000 team because that was the Mets Subway Series. That's a little bit more memorable. Just continuing to do it. I mean, unless it's in, in the cards for later in the season, we haven't seen. No, it's not. It's not. Okay. okay because I know nothing, last year they did one later, later in the year as well. But um, yeah, I was expecting it too. Maybe they just don't want A Rod back in the, on the field again this, this recently. And they know Jeter won't come. Maybe they're going to do a twenty-year or thirty-year, twenty-year in two thousand. There's also an exhaustion level with bringing the same guys back over and over and over again. So, well, this year it would have been a, com- a joint. That's and a then, lot of like, people. You get, you get you get some guys there who are on both teams, like Mariano, um, Posada, Jeter wouldn't have come, but Pettit, Posada might not have come. It's true, Posada doesn't like the. Uh the Yankees anymore he's 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 a big Marlins fan him and Jeter a big Marlins fan I gotta tell you I was looking at I have not paid attention to the Marlins at all I was looking at I I was just watching some highlights and like just scanning the uh major league baseball and I gotta back on the uniform thing Jeter made a very uh a a good move out out there like dumbing down those lineups or the uh the uniforms Uniforms. they they don't look bad they look they look kind of good yeah the Marlins script on their road jerseys is like it's like kind of, they're trying like, to be classic for a, a newer like, franchise. It's like dark, muted. It's like kind of, it's it's more classic, but it's, it's also got a modern, no flashy it. colors. Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. Really it's one. it's not bad. I think they made a lot of really good adjustments as far as the aesthetics. He, there, he got rid of that dumb statue. He got rid of the clown show. That's that was like he's like, what are we doing here? Like this is not. I don't want to be that. Like I know we're in Miami, but our team and the stadium doesn't need to be gaudy like that. We're gonna be it's a classic. Still so baseball weird team. though that it's like. I, it's just when I think about it for more than two seconds, like Jeter is is the president of the Marlins. It's just, it's bizarre. All right, that's it for this show. Um, any last words? Nah, no, just keep going. We just need to. I, I don't. I pray to God, pray, pray, pray to everything holy that Gilberto Torres does not do anything to his body that that is uh, that is that is demeaning in any way. <laughs> Or or or, make, or, make, or, or, or 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 makes him hurt. I just, he does not do anything demeaning to his body. What are you talking about? piercings? I don't know. <laughs> I just I'm worried about it. I'm worried about the kid. I am because he's 22 years old. Glaber, respect your body. He's he's 22 years old. He's <laughs> he's invincible. You're beautiful inside and out. Glaber, respect your body. He's invincible in his own head. The doctors can't see anything. Something's happening. I don't know what it is. Just take care of yourself, please. All right. those, those were great last words, We'll talk to you on Monday. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball.